Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you and drives you? Two of the reasons that are very near and dear to my heart is that Web3 needed more women and it was just not user-friendly. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women sharing their insights on topics. I guess everybody was shocked that I left Amazon to go to a startup. There was an article that was published, I think it was in the New York Times, and we ended up getting, I don't know, 1,500 job applicants. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that. And Cam's, when we looked at them, only 2% were women. He was a huge fan of my show, and he was like a little bit starstruck when he was asked to be on the show. I had this sinking feeling because I was like, oh boy, he's not going to like me after this interview because I had all of these tough questions for him. Healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. The soulful expression that I was seeing and how people were authentically exuding their true self. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. Remember, always look to the sky above, earth below, and the fire within. Hi, and welcome to Women Who Web 3. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. On today's show, we're talking about NFTs and how women can capitalize on the intrinsic power of digital art. Now, you might be thinking, what the F is an NFT? NFT stands for non-fungible token. Before you leave and exit this podcast, let's break it down. To be fungible, let's start with fungible, it means you can be replaced. Non-fungible is not a sexy word, I know. (laughs) It's not a delicious way to say unique, one-of-a-kind, irreplaceable, just like you who's listening to this podcast. An NFT is a unique, irreplaceable image, digital art, hand-drawn, digitized art, music, etc., AI, using blockchain technology to sell to the masses. And they can be sold one piece at a time in collections of 10,000 in online marketplaces like OpenSea, for example. A lot of hype is built around these projects. So first, the creators of the NFTs, usually of one person or a team, an artist, they create them, they rally around a cause or a roadmap, and holders of NFTs can benefit from them with utilities like event passes or in real life events, access to conferences. It's kind of like your VIP pass to all things that the community has access to. For example, education in the Web3 space. A lot of women like Surge Women, BFF, and of course, women and weapons have beautiful causes. They donate to charity with the money that's raised from these NFT projects. And women who align with the causes of those NFT projects can invest by purchasing an NFT Um, investing in the founders through angel investing, or they can purchase a bunch of the NFTs. And now when I say NFT, if you can't picture what it is in your mind, it's basically, a lot of people have said this, a JPEG. And that's not what it is, but that's what you can grab onto your mind to picture what they are. When you upload an image, for example, 
or you download some art from something that you've drawn on your computer, the end of that computer file is .jpg or .jpeg or .png. So when you see on Twitter and everywhere in the news where people are saying people are making millions selling JPEGs, this is what they're referring to because NFTs can be likened down to an image. And no, you cannot take a screenshot of the image and call it an NFT and make money off of it. That is not. <laughs> That's like taking the Mona Lisa and photocopying it and then trying to sell it for the same exact value. It will be fraud. So this is why this is something that is celebrated in the blockchain space because NFTs are really a way to bring ownership and value to artists and really give artists this chance to take ownership of their work and to make money off of it. And so there's potential to make millions of dollars with these NFTs because if you're selling a collection of 10,000, you build hype around an audience and you have tens of thousands of people who want to buy your NFT, they go into the marketplace and in one sitting, sometimes these NFT projects are sold out within a couple of seconds or hours, someone can pay anywhere from $20 to $1,000 per one NFT. And if you can imagine, multiply that by 10,000 or however many NFTs are in the collection, instant millions, instant million, hundreds of millions. And that's why there's this potential. And that's why you're hearing all these people who are becoming NFT millionaires. And why I have our guest today is because women have largely been excluded from the market. They account for only 4% of total NFT sales globally since February 2020 that comes from Forbes. And women can really use NFTs to create and generate passive income, especially women who are artists. And this is a way for you to turn your passion into profit. So here today, we have Sarah Bauman. She is the artist and founder behind the NFT collection, Women and Weapons. You might have seen her art at Consensus, which is a crypto festival, or online, or in the news. She's everywhere, and she should be. Uh, she is an Iranian-American woman who was working as a full-time occupational therapist last year in the hospital system during COVID. She left that job to pursue her lifelong dream of being a full-time artist and in a few months has built a multi-million dollar art project and brand. And all of this was made possible through the power of NFTs. She's now on a mission to get more women, more minorities, and everyone in between into the space to take part in this new industry. Welcome, Sarah Bauman. So excited to have you here. Well, that was a magnificent intro. If there is any intro on planet Earth, uh, that was fantastic. Thank you so much, Cams. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me here today. Oh, we are so excited. And just listening to your story, I was, oh, I was in awe. Like, first of all, you interviewed on Women of Impact with Lisa Bilyeu. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hung on to every word that you said. And I, you are so filled with motivation, with courage. You've overcome so much. You made the leap. You were not risk averse. You really traversed into an absolutely new space and you've accomplished so much and you're, you are not stopping here. Can't stop, won't stop. What gets you up in the morning and what motivates you? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think what gets me up in the morning is the capability to build, the capability to grow not only growing myself, but helping others grow as well. That's probably something that's a little bit ingrained in me naturally as an occupational therapist. You know, you are coaching your patients day in and day out to help them get better. 
And I think the same kind of goes for me as an artist and as a business owner as well. You know, I really want to help empower others that are feeling like they're stuck in a rut the way that I used to feel like I was stuck in a rut. And I really want them to feel empowered and feel like they have the strength and the confidence to go forward and kind of chase after their dreams and know that, you know, sometimes it takes, I mean, I'm going to kind of steal this line from a movie, but sometimes you got to risk it to get the biscuit, if you know what I'm saying. So sometimes you just have to go for it. You have to take that leap and just be proud of yourself. Be proud of what it is that you're attempting to accomplish. And I want to kind of give people that fuel to feel that way and go for it. Yes, I love that. Risk it to get the biscuit. (laughs) Some notes, ladies. Sarah, you've done so much, but I want to hone in on NFTs. Yeah. What are NFTs to you and what should women know about them? Yeah, well, I feel like you gave an absolutely smashing definition for it earlier. To me, what NFTs really represent is a lot of opportunities for autonomy and a lot of new technological methods and opportunities for access for technology and for kind of a conglomeration of a variety of different areas really coming together in a very new way. You know, we're seeing the merge of business, tech, finance, art, creative, and so on coming together in this space, in this very, very new space to create something really unique and really bold. And I think no matter what, there's always going to be asymmetrical upside to being a part of a space early, right? And I think that women oftentimes missed out on being early to that space in web two, in web one, and so on. And so we kind of missed the boat. We missed a lot of opportunities. You hear a lot of stories about one woman being in a room full of a bunch of guys in like the web two era, right? But we don't want that to happen now. And so I think what NFTs are really meaning to me is an opportunity for a lot of women and non-binary individuals and other minorities to have an opportunity at a brand new technology to gain that autonomy and really take possession of uh, their future, their goals, and what it is that they're planning on doing if they have those big goals and big dreams. Yes, I 100% agree. For women, what would you tell them? Like, let's say I never, ever purchased an NFT. I've only heard about the scams. I've only heard about people making millions of dollars. What would you tell that woman? Why should she invest in NFTs? Yeah, well, you know, that's actually a really good uh, question. And I think it's a question that I get really frequently is, how do I even get involved in this? Like, where do I even begin? Because it's extremely overwhelming. And I totally agree. I think that the barrier for entry is extremely high still. And to those people, I tell them, invest about 50 hours into learning about NFTs, learning about Web3, learning about the metaverse, learning about all of it. And, you know, nowadays there's kind of a plethora of information out and about with this information. There's YouTubes, there's various different internet pages, there's Discord, there's Twitter. There's so many different pages that you can go to and learn about NFTs, learn about Web3. And really, I just, I think it's best for people to just sit back and listen and learn. And whenever I say engage, I mean engage safely. So engage meaningfully with people on Twitter, engage meaningfully with people on Discord, be very careful in Discord, turn off your DMs but just take in information to begin with. And then also, I think that whenever you go into the space, you should go in with the mindset that you are buying access to something. You are buying artwork. You're buying access to a community. You might be buying a ticket to a concert. You might be buying a collectible and so on. There's many different avenues with which your purchase of an NFT can take you, right? So I don't think that people should just come into the space with the anticipation that, I'm going to jump into this space and I'm going to make millions of dollars because that may not be true. However, you may be jumping into a brand new space, a brand new avenue with the opportunity to learn about a technology that's very brand new 
that later on down the road could yield an exceptional upside, just given the fact that you were early on in the space and you are very knowledgeable about the space, say 10 years from now, whenever this thing blows up, you know? Yes. And before anyone loses any sleep or runs away, when Sarah says 50 hours, she does not mean to go on a web surfing spree for 50 hours in a row. I want to throw it back to when I first joined into the NFT space. I only knew about NFTs from my husband. My husband was telling me about flipping stuff and doing all sorts of stuff. And in the past minute, Sarah had mentioned a lot of really cool things. And I want to break down a lot of those things for you. In the NFT space, as I mentioned earlier, it's a community. Like We want to build a community. And a lot of the times, the majority of NFT communities are located on a social media app and communication tool called Discord. It's kind of like your Slack for gamers and um, for people in the Web3 space. And in Discord, you can send messages, you can create channels where people come in and talk. And there's not too much security, depending on how high-tech these community builders are. No fault of anyone. Discord, just like when you give your number to the wrong person, you can get random calls from a million people trying to advertise to you. And so when Sarah said close the DMs, she means the direct messages that you can get from random people. Those present a lot of security issues. So how you can be safe in the NFT space is when you're in the Discord, you close out your DMs, don't talk to strangers. We all know this. And by talking to strangers, I don't mean don't talk to people like me and Sarah, but don't talk to anybody who gives you bad vibes. Like literally, if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. Now, I wanted to also break down taking your first steps into NFTs and starting with the 50 hours of education. I agree with this. When I first dove in, there was a lot of information and there are beautiful women-founded organizations like Sarah's where you can start by just learning and reading on the website. There's glossaries where you can understand, you know, what is NFT? What does it mean to mint? Which minting is a process of purchasing an NFT for the very first time. And it's called mint, you know, that fresh mint. It's like a fresh, like, the, <laughs> you remember the, the Colgate lady, I think it was, where you're just fresh and your teeth are nice and shiny. Minting an NFT is like the first time you get to have this shiny new thing. So think of it like that. But yeah, there's a lot of upsides and downsides to the NFT space, as there is with almost every new technology that there is out there. And that's why women, as Sarah said, need to really be in the space because we have the power to shape the culture around the transaction, around the whole entire user experience in general, from obtaining a wallet, which is a digital, it's kind of like a bank account, but not. It's a digital space that is unique to you, where you connect to the blockchain and you're able to hold all of your assets in there. So you hold NFTs inside of your wallet, much like your wallet in your pocket, but online. These things, again, there's a lot of security around it. You just have to be careful with everything. Don't give your password away, things of that nature. Now, transitioning back, Sarah, in your journey to create Women and Weapons NFT collection, what would you say you would avoid if you could do it over again? And what are you most proud of? Yeah, you know, thinking back, well, first and foremost, uh, Women and Weapons came to fruition back in October of last year. And so I will say that the technology, the space in its own has evolved pretty significantly since then. I mean, a month in Web3 space is like a year in normal world. 
there's absolutely nothing that I would take back. That's for sure. You know, I think every single hill that we've climbed over was an exceptional learning opportunity for us. So there is nothing that I would take back. But we've certainly seen a lot of different wins and a lot of opportunities for learning with women and weapons. And, you know, we were one of the early on organizations to the Web3 space that was representing women. Of course, you know, there were several that were before us, but we were also one of the early ones and really gave women multiple opportunities to interact and engage with NFTs in a way that they felt represented them appropriately. And that's a big part of kind of why we jumped onto the scene was, you know, that additional representation of women. I myself am very much a tomboy, and I feel like the Women of Weapons collection is very much like kind of a tomboy representative collection as well. But yeah, certainly nothing that I would take back. I think, you know, mistakes are always going to be made, but you'll find, I think most people will find that oftentimes when you make those mistakes is generally when you learn the best and you have the most growth. And so sometimes it's not a bad thing. Oh my gosh. If you are comfortable sharing, what are some of the mistakes that happened and how did you overcome them? Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, I really want to say like there were no really big mistakes. I feel like we were extremely cautious and uh, extremely thorough whenever we went into our our season one and season two mints. So I don't really feel like I can pull up any mistakes off the top of my head. But, you know, I think one thing, if there's a learning, like a a learning opportunity that I can pull from our experience, it's that, you know, I think people really need to learn how important marketing is for them. And whenever I say that, I mean that, you know, people, I think oftentimes feel as though they're, they're marketing to themselves. And I think people need to recognize you're not just marketing to yourself. You're marketing to a very vast audience whenever it comes to marketing your artwork, marketing yourself, getting your project, whatever it may be. And so I think it's important to have your information very digestible. You don't want it to be too complicated. You don't want it to be too overwhelming. You also want to make sure that it's able to access a multitude of individuals. So the person who accesses Twitter, the person who prefers communication via email, the person who prefers long-form YouTube videos, the person who prefers short, quick vertical videos like on YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, uh, TikTok, and so on. So, you know, I think that's probably one of the biggest learning areas that we've gathered from our entire experience is that marketing is extremely important and people really need to think outside of themselves whenever it comes to marketing for themselves, their project, and so on. Oh, what a great answer. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's something we can all definitely learn from. As a user experience researcher, this is something I think about every single day. How can I get people to care more about people who are actually using the tool or the product that we are building? And I think it it expands to every aspect of our life. The easier something is, the better, the more joy we can have, the more time we have. Join me at Coindesk Consensus 2023, where Web3 meets IRL happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer among creators, builders, founders, brands, entrepreneurs, investors, and more. Use code WEB3WOMEN to get 15% off your pass. Visit events.coindesk.com slash consensus2023. To all the female artists out there, 
who are aspiring to take ownership of their art and maybe are thinking about bringing it to the blockchain, they were interested in creating Mm -hmm. an NFT project. What would you say to them? How would you help them start or what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, I think that people need to recognize that in order to enter the space, you don't have to just have the ambition of creating a project. You know, you can be an independent artist in the space. You can be somebody who just engages in the space by purchasing, by selling, by getting a job at a Web3 company and so on. You don't have to just come in and create a 10,000 piece PFP project. You know, there's multiple ways to engage first and foremost. And second of all, I think what I would tell people is you really want to recognize where the gaps are in the market right now. You know, we've become a very saturated space. And so I think it's important for people to be developing things that are unique, that are different, that are, if it's a problem in the area or in the industry, Find a way to solve said problem with whatever your product is, right? You don't want to just keep creating the wheel over and over and over again. So really think through what it is you're wanting to put out there for people. Have you know a good business model set up you know, in the backside of things. And also make sure that whatever it is that you're wanting to bring to the table that you, like I said, plan to market it thoroughly. Because you know, I feel like we see a lot of really wonderful projects fail or they, they never quite get to that finish line just because of difficulties with marketing. And so I think it's important to really look at multiple different points, bring something new to the table, bring something unique to the table, fix a problem that you see in the space. Make sure whenever you do decide to go ahead and bring whatever it is to the table, you market the heck out of it and market it well. If you're an independent artist, recognize that it's going to take a little while to build a a following, most likely. And whenever you do build that following, you're going to have to continue grinding. You're going to have to continue marketing. One of the big things that I try to tell people is you really want to also meaningfully engage with the people who are investing their time in you, whether you're an artist, whether you're a project, whether you're a business, whether you're a podcast host, whatever it might be, these people are taking the time to invest in you. And I think that you should also take the time to invest back in them as well. Yes. I was listening to a podcast the other day and she was also an NFT creator and she had mentioned that when you buy an NFT, something that these NFT founders, artists should know is these aren't just customers. They mm-hmm. are hardcore brand ambassadors. Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh. So when you were talking, I was like, yeah, you really have to care for your people. They care about the cause. They care about your art. So that's very important. You're not just selling to them, but you are inviting them into your space. 100%. I think you absolutely should. I think For me, one of the biggest benefits and positives of being a part of Women and Weapons and the person that's growing Women and Weapons is having the opportunity to get to know our community, get to know these wonderful human beings that are a part of this, that are supporting me, my story, my artwork, our brand, and really investing that care back in them. Like, I, there's been nothing better than like learning about people, learning about their kids, learning about their jobs. What is it that their dreams are? What are their ambitions? Like, you know, what is it that you're struggling with? Let me listen to you and let me see if I can help you back as well. And I think that's something that a lot of people should really be um, investing time into their their communities and into the people who are investing in them. Yes. And that's so wholesome. And that's also part of making the NFT space more engaging and welcoming and inclusive for women as well. Having that nurturing aspect. To the women who are listening who might be thinking, okay, so I'm interested in making an NFT collection. What tools did you use to actually create it? What did the team look like to generate the entire collection? Yeah. So again, this was back in October of last year, which might as well be like the NFT Stone Ages. 
<laughs> but for me, it was, I actually started on this 10,000 piece collection after I did my 10 piece gouache painted collection. And so I was kind of working on it slowly, but surely. And then Gary Vaynerchuk bought three of my original gouache painted art pieces. And I think recognizing the opportunity, recognizing the momentum, that's when I really hightailed it and worked, you know, nine to 10 hour days in the hospital, came home, drew for an additional five to six hours every single day because I recognized that I needed to get, you know, this collection out there. So I actually utilized Procreate. I was the primary artist or the only artist, I guess you could say, on uh, women and weapons. So I utilized Procreate, which of course has its pros and its cons. I would say, you know, pro is that it's very similar, I guess you could say, to working with pen and paper or working with canvas and paint. But of course, the negatives being that it works in pixels as opposed to vectors, the way that Adobe Illustrator might work. So I used Procreate back then, and our team was basically myself, my husband, and then we had a team of five individuals, including Crypto Mom and her two daughters and another uh, guy named Dan, another person who's undoxed, which I don't know if anybody's familiar with Crypto Mom. She's absolutely amazing. So they really helped us with a lot of the marketing, the advocating, the kind of advising us on how to go about things. And then we also worked with a team called Drop Space, and they were the team that actually helped us with our smart contract and helped us get everything on the blockchain and get going for our mint. And so we did our season one and our season two drops on Drop Space. So that's essentially what the team looked like and how all the building blocks looked back in October of last year. Nowadays, you know, things are certainly changing. We're seeing opportunities for people to use uh, other smart contract apps. They don't necessarily need to build such a massive team in order to launch a project. Uh, a lot of people can kind of do it single-handedly nowadays. Uh, but back in October of last year, it was certainly a different world. It was, it was quite a bear for sure. Wow. So thank you so much for breaking it down for us. So women listening, building a team, talking to people who know what's going on, making sure you have someone in your back to cover marketing, so many different things that go into it. It's like basically having a startup company. Yeah. Um, thank you, Sarah, for breaking that down for us. So something that I'm super excited about is just very recently, you launched a sneak peek, a little teaser about Nova, the yes. animated digital influencer. Tell us everything. So I am beyond stoked about Nova. I think one of the things that I've kind of been preaching since day one with Women and Weapons is that one of my big goals is to bring our characters to life. I'm not sure if anybody's involved in the Women and Weapons space that is watching or listening to this right now, but Women and Weapons has an associated lore, which you can check out on our website at womenandweapons.io. That's kind of like the gradient from season one to season two. And so Nova is one of our season two characters that we have basically taken and plucked from the blockchain, and we are bringing her to life through animation and through motion capture. So we're investing in some motion capture here at Women and Weapons, and we're wanting to bring Nova to life in a way that allows or basically allows us to meet people where they are. So as many people know, if you are wanting to develop a show or whatever, that might take years. Sometimes that animation takes years and years and years to develop. Whereas us basically bringing Nova to life right now through motion capture and through our own independent animation, it allows us to bring Nova to life every single day through vertical medium. So that might be TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, what have you. And what's great about her is she can have kind of a cheeky little personality that maybe the Women and Weapons brand itself can't have. So I'm, I'm working on building out her personality and her story and really working on storyboarding her right now. 
but I'm looking forward to her being able to meet people where they are. You know, she might be able to teach people about cryptocurrency. She might be able to teach people how to start their own wallet. She might be able to show people how to buy their first NFT. She might just do super cheeky stuff like uh, comment on various TV shows or things happening in the Web3 news or whatever. But either way, we're going to be able to kind of launch her on a cadence that's much more rapid, like an every single day kind of cadence that creating our own show or working with an animation company might not allow us to do for several years coming forward. Whoa, this sounds so exciting. I'm really excited to hear more about Nova. That sounds like such a win for women and weapons. And you are making good on your promise to bring your characters to life. She will literally be alive. I wanted to scale it back a little bit. I forgot to ask you to share what is women and weapons to any women on here who has not heard of what it is. Can you give us a rundown? Yeah. So I will preface by saying I am an artist. I very much have a tendency to think in pictures and not as much in words. And so I think a lot of the ways that I tend to work through my thoughts, my emotions, my feelings, and so on is to create artwork because that's the way that I tend to communicate best as opposed to words. And so back whenever I started painting the original Women and Weapons 10-piece collection, it was kind of a a heavy time of turmoil. It was also a time where I had seen a... um, art collection by Shireen Nashat, who's a wonderful Iranian artist that kind of depicts the dichotomy of women versus men in Iran. And I kind of saw a similar issue in the mid-century era for women, that 1940s to 1960s period, where women were really often put down and kind of perceived as lesser than. And I thought that was a really interesting kind of dichotomy with the strength that women clearly showed whenever they were in the World War II effort, where they were leaving the house and they were working in these factories, right? And they were building weapons. They were building different supplies that were needed during the war because all the men were gone. And I was very, I think, triggered by some of the ads from the 1950s and the 1940s where it shows women. There's one where there's a woman laying on the floor and there's a man's shoe on her head. And it says, you know, keep her where she belongs. There's another ad that's uh, got men's fashion. It's a tie and it says, show her who's boss. There's one of a man who's spanking his wife because she bought the wrong coffee and brought it home. And things like that were very commonplace back then. So I essentially decided to take that era and kind of turn the imagery on its head and depict these mid-century era women as powerful while utilizing this kind of World War II weaponry as the symbols and the metaphors of the weapons that women carry into their everyday, whether that be their intelligence, their empathy, their charisma you know, whatever it might be. And, you know, women can look at these art pieces and kind of have an opportunity to think on it, to spur on conversations that I think obviously conversations can create meaningful change in the world and also kind of feel empowered by the artwork as well. And so that's a big part of why I decided to develop the collection. You know, I also want people to take their own inferences from the artwork as well. I love hearing the way that people have received and perceived the artwork on their own, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And that's exactly what art is for. So that's kind of where the birth of Women and Weapons began. Wow. And what a beautiful baby it is. Thank you for sharing that with us. I love that you think in pictures. The meditation today is actually going to be a visualization. Um, Perfect. Inspired by you. I wanted to dive in a little bit more into Nova. You said that she could possibly teach or educate about the Web3 space, if you had her out here, like educating everybody, no matter what age, regardless Mm -hmm. of who they are, whether they're a child, an adult, 
someone's abuela, someone's grandma, someone's Lola, what would she tell them? Like, how would she educate them on Web3? And would she point them to resources where they could learn? If so, where would those be? Yeah. You know, I can absolutely see Nova, you know, really meeting people where they are, kind of breaking things down into an easy method, kind of a layman's terminology, something that's very digestible for people who aren't in Web3. You know, I think a lot of our educating kind of needs to break out of this echo chamber that we're already in. And we need to start meeting people outside of our Web3 space and start educating them. So I think that that's absolutely something Nova would do, would be to really break it down for people, really make it easily digestible for people, but also pointing them in the direction of resources. So that might be uh, Coindesk, for example. That might be uh, Ethereum.org, which I personally really appreciate because it's kind of like a dictionary for various like terminology for Web3. That might be Gary Vaynerchuk videos. That might be Randy Zuckerberg videos. That might be videos from NOS Academy that are about Web3. You know, there's such a multitude of information that's out there nowadays, a multitude of education, podcasts, YouTube videos, paid for courses, and so on about Web3 that I could see Nova certainly pointing people in the direction of. And she will not lead people astray. She will make sure that she points people in the direction of very reputable sources, that's for sure. <laughs> Please point her towards the Women Who Web3 podcast when we break it yes, down. Yes, of course. But oh my goodness, thank you so much, Sarah. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Now, Sarah mentioned this other, it can also be considered jargon, which is called PFP. That basically stands for profile picture. And when we say profile picture, that means like Twitter. That could be on your OpenSea profile. For me, I work at a blockchain company and some of us have it as our Slack picture. (laughs) So wherever you upload a picture, Uh, The Web3 space and people who invest in NFTs will sometimes use their NFTs as their profile picture. And so a lot of NFT collections, you'll see that there's like so many different styles of hair for women, different colors. There's aliens, there's vampires, there's all sorts of different kinds. Uh, There's zombies, but you'll see all sorts of profile pictures. So that's what she means by PFP. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of times PFPs are how people like to represent themselves. You know, I'm starting to see more and more PFPs showing up on LinkedIn nowadays. I'm seeing people basically representing themselves as their, you know, their podcast hosts and they represent themselves as their PFP. So a lot of times it's kind of a way for people to basically come across to others. This is who I am. This is how I view myself is a lot of times kind of what we utilize the PFP as as well. Yes. And I really wanted to bring up that cultural aspect too of identity. Whenever I am looking for my next PFP or my next NFT, I always want them to have at least my skin color, my hair type, or look like they could possibly be Filipino or Black. So I like to represent myself as accurately as possible. You coming from a background of being Iranian-American, how have you sort of injected your own cultural heritage into your NFT project or anything that you're working on? Yeah, you know, it's so funny that you ask that. Uh, one of the things that I think I've faced my entire life is whenever you're filling out forms and it's like, what is your ethnicity? And it gives you like five options. And I'm over here and I'm like half Iranian and 25% Portuguese. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't see Middle Eastern as an option. You know, and growing up, there wasn't a lot of representation of like the Middle Eastern girls, right, in advertising. And so uh, whenever it came to women and weapons, you know, it is a quote unquote generative collection, right? 
So there's only so much that I can do as far as like shapes and so on of people, but I could do a lot related to coloration, hair type, and so on. And so I really wanted to make sure that with both season one and season two of Women and Weapons, that as many women as possible could be represented in the collection. And so I tried to really make sure that I had a variety of skin tones available, a variety of eye colors available, a variety of hair tones, hairstyles, and so on available so that people could see themselves and feel as though they were represented as a PFP if they wanted to you know, purchase a PFP or represent themselves or you know, utilize their identity as a PFP, but also really make sure that our community as a whole is very much inclusive to anybody and everybody across the world. Doesn't matter your, your creed, your shape, your size, where you're from, what you believe in, anything, you are more than welcome into the women and weapons community. So both you know, being able to see yourself in the women and weapons characters, but also being involved in our community, I want everyone to feel welcome. You know, that's what I always wanted growing up. Sometimes that was hard, uh, you know, in Texas, especially being the kid that brought like kebab and rice or gorma sabzi to lunch, you know, and everybody else brought Lunchables. You know, I I want people to feel uh, welcomed and invited and represented and so on whenever it comes to being involved in women and weapons community and being in Web3. That is beautiful, Sarah. Um, We talked about so much on this podcast, and I really want to just round us out by sharing how many benefits NFTs bring to our community. When you invest in an NFT, you're investing in belonging, inclusivity, you're investing in an artist, you're investing in someone's livelihood. When you create NFTs, you have the power to be able to manage your own money and wealth in your future and possibly sell millions um, to be able to position yourself to do what you've always wanted to do, your dreams, your passions. There's so many benefits to investing in NFTs and you just got to be safe. Make sure that you're consuming healthy education and you're following the right people, talking to the right people to make sure that you are doing what you need to and that you're not giving your passwords away and that you're actually purchasing crypto safely. Oftentimes you need cryptocurrency uh, to purchase an NFT. But nowadays, as Sarah had mentioned, like in the Stone Age was like two months ago for crypto. But nowadays, a lot of uh, communities are allowing you to purchase with credit cards. So there's there's a lot of different means for purchasing, investing in NFTs. And I hope that when you're in doubt, you'll reach out to Sarah or myself. <laughs> and I'm always out here promoting for our women-led NFT projects. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here. And I'm so excited for you to stick around for the meditation. Let me just get into it. Awesome. Thank you, Cam, so much for having me on today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This week's meditation focuses on visualizing and manifesting your dreams. Let's start by getting comfortable, whether you're in a chair, sofa, or on the floor. The back is straight, but relaxed. Head and neck line over the spine. Shoulders are relaxed, and arms and hands rest in your lap or at your sides. This is your practice. Do what you need to get comfy. Take a deep, clearing breath through your nose. And exhale, sigh the breath out. Two more, just like that. Up. 
good. That sounds great. Settle into the space. Close your eyes and let's adventure inward to manifest our dreams. Scan your body for any tension or pain and release it with your breath. Your forehead softens, your jaw and tongue relax. The stomach softens and your arms, back and legs grow lighter as you relax. Feel your entire body grow lighter with relaxation with every breath. Notice any thoughts roaming or zooming around your mind. Imagine you're just observing them from a distance. With each inhale, you let them pass through and leave your body with your exhale. With each breath, as you let go of those thoughts that do not serve you, you feel lighter, more focused. Each and every one of us has the potential, creativity, and power to design the life of our dreams. We're going to start visualizing your dreams. Continue to breathe, filling your belly with each inhale and exhaling, clearing the mind and body of any tension. Visualize achieving your most desired dream. Anchor onto just one dream. Allow your senses to bring this dream to life. Imagine what it looks like to live your dream. See it. Allow your mind to paint the details. What do you hear all around you when you've accomplished your most desired dream? Applause, silence, a babbling creak, the hum of air travel, the laughter of children. When your dream is accomplished, what are the smells around you? Maybe it's a new car or home smell. Maybe it's your favorite foods, fresh air, nature. Waves of the ocean crashing along the shore. When you've accomplished the dream you most desire, what does it taste like? Feel it on your lips, on your tongue. Step deeper into your dream. What does it feel like? Maybe it's inner peace in your mind and heart. Soft, warm, cold. Constant smiling and laughing. Whatever it feels like, let yourself feel it. Physically and the emotions attached. Submerge completely into your dream. If you're smiling, good. 
if you're getting goosebumps from the mere anticipation, good. Maybe you're slightly aroused, good. Your thoughts are aligning and manifesting your dream as you breathe. This dream can be your reality. It is yours. You can start to organize your thoughts around your dreams, then organize your life around your dreams and watch them manifest. Give life to everything that will give life to your dreams. Start to come back to the space, wiggle the fingers and toes. If you were lying down, come to a seated position. If you're closing your eyes, softly blink the eyes open. Now get out there and make your dreams come true. I want to thank everyone for listening to Women Who Web 3. You can find us on the Coindesk Podcast Network or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Cams. Thank you for taking that step and changing the world together. Till next week, remember, always look to the sky above, earth below, and the fire within. You've been listening to Women Who Web 3 with host Kamala Ancantara. This show has been produced and edited by Michelle Mousseau. Executive producer is Jared Schwartz. Our theme song is 20-something by Danielle Musto. Cams would love to hear from you. You can reach out to her at cams, K-A-M-Z, at womenwhoweb3.com or podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, Women Who Web 3. Thanks for listening.